Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Whoa! Howdy there, folks, and welcome into today's video. Hope you guys are doing great out there. As always, welcome into Millennial Money, where we have so much to talk about here tonight. Bad news, good news, middle news, everything in between. But first off, we got to start out with Kevin and Andre. Both of them are sick. And we're trying to figure out, do you have the Roni Rona? Do you not have the Roni Rona? What's going on? Kevin was just in Vegas, and he saw Graham and me. And so now I'm like, do I have the Roni Rona? What's going on? So Kevin – or actually, Andre, let's start with you, and then let's get up to Kevin. And uh, we got to figure out that first. Before I, we I like how you were like, they're sick. This <laughs> is like, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, got to collect them all, the Delta variant. Uh, thankfully. <laughs> oh, I'm on Lambda. <laughs> No, I thankfully I don't have anything. I well, actually I didn't get tested, but Corey, my girlfriend, who got me sick, she got me sick. She got tested. She tested negative. So I'm just going to assume that I'm negative, but I should go get tested. I don't think I have COVID. I still have my taste buds intact, so everything's fine. But yeah, just a general fatigue. I think it's just a classic cold. I don't think it's anything crazy, but it still sucks. Doesn't feel good. Yeah. Okay, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, I've just had this dry <laughs> cough forever. And like, I've been just anytime I try to I cough, I try to like bring a mask or whatever, but uh, to try to like be respectful. <laughs> but it's just been this lingering thing. And I've, I've, I don't know, it's just been lingering for like, I don't know, since the day after I got from New York and I've been tested twice, negative both times for COVID, uh, just lingering cough. And then all of a sudden I get back from Vegas and it, it wasn't even that bad in Vegas, just this tiny little lingering cough. It's like, ah, whatever. It's just going to be one of those things that lingers forever. But all of a sudden today I wake up and it's like 10 times worse than before. Yeah. Like, What's happening? Yeah. yeah. You guys should be getting tested though. At least again. I got home tests yeah. now. So you I got did. tested twice, like the, the things or whatever. But now I got, they have home tests. Can you believe that? You stick them in like a pregnancy test. Yeah, I have one. I still have it. I need to use that. I did get one though. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cool. How accurate is that, though? That's what I was wondering. I, mean, I think if you're symptomatic, it should be pretty accurate. I mean, for you to be symptomatic, you usually have such an overproduction disaster yeah. that uh, that I feel like it should pick up pretty fast. But I mean, I'm no doctor. I mean, what do I know? But uh, you yeah. know, we bought a couple different variety packs. You know, and and the Flintstone vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored. Flintstones. Shout us out, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> no. Give us that money, and we'll 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 put you in every episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are they like? Tattoo chef inspired or something? Hey, 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 hey Kevin, did, have you told anybody that I made you a tattoo chef bowl when when you're out here? You know, I got to post that video, man. I've been so out of it; I haven't done anything. <laughs> no, don't worry, Kevin. I'm going to be posting it. We got the vlog. I think posting tomorrow. That includes you eating uh, the chef. Oh man. <laughs> Good. Stay tuned. That's all I got to say. Stay tuned. Okay. So anyways, let's talk about this. Uh, I think we got to talk about the crypto hack right from, right from the jump. And I uh, saw your post, uh, Andre, about 
uh, centralized finance and why it is still going to be tough to, uh, you know, go DeFi anytime soon because of situations like this. So can you explain to folks what actually happened here and uh, the, the whole drama with that? Yeah, so there's a there's a decentralized exchange called Polygon Network, uh, which is not related uh, to uh, Polygon. Uh, that's a separate thing that's very popular. And they uh, lost $273 million of Ethereum, $253 million of Binance Smart Tokens, and another $85 million of uh, uh, USDC. So they just completely lost it. And the thing about losing money on DeFi is that once it's gone, it's kind of gone forever. And that's wow. why I made the post this morning was like, this is why CeFi is going to be around. Because if money's lost there, at least you can recover your funds somehow from a company. But with DeFi, there, there is actually two ways of getting that money back. But before we get into that, I just want to know your guys' thoughts, if you guys even heard about this. Yeah, I was doing research on it earlier. I was trying to figure out exactly how they were able to do it. And in my understanding is that they exploited a loophole and the smart contract as a way to like maybe forge a signature or they were able to get like a private key. They basically they obtained information that was allowing them to be the recipient of these funds, transfer that to themselves, and then just disappear. Yeah, the technical like hack, and I don't know exactly like how they did it because I'm not very technical, like technically savvy to that degree. It wasn't that the private key was leaked because remember, if anybody has your private key, they have access to your wallet. It wasn't that the private key was leaked. It was that uh, they basically... Gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. Uh, they made themselves the key holder. They like redirected the identity of whoever that person was supposed to be to themselves. Mm -hmm. And they did a crazy exploit where it's like they redirected the identity of a, of whatever person is supposed to keep the money safe to themselves. <laughs> and one of the ways of doing so that is like, if you guys, I don't know if you guys have heard multi-sig contracts, like smart contracts, multi-sig works like this. Like if we all made a smart contract together, to make sure that any one of us wouldn't get compromised. Like, you know, if Graham was offered millions of dollars to like, you know, give up some money, we would all have a signature to sign on a smart contract. And without all four signatures, that contract would not be able to execute. And that, that that's one of the precautions that smart contracts take is, is multi-sig. But in this exploit, somehow the attacker was able to redirect this role to himself. And beyond that, it gets so technically complicated, I can't even understand it. So. Now, here's the thing. This is where I, I kind of lose it here. But they identified which wallet this is in. So they know like where the funds went. They don't know who that wallet belongs to, but they know which wallet it's in. Who's to say that like this wallet can't go and cash it out? Because they would know where they, there would be a way to track at some point where the funds are going. So wouldn't this person eventually get caught? Yeah, so the... The crypto analyst company, um, they actually, I forget their names, but they they found this person's IP address. Yeah. They found the fingerprint of the device and the email address that this person, you know, has. So in theory, they should not be able to get away with moving it. And one of the precautionary things that, that actually happened with was Tether. So they Tether froze, I think, a $30 million transfer. So, you know, Tether is a, is a centralized stable coin. So Tether was able to stop the transferring or the exchanging. 
Um, but some of the other coins, if theoretically they were able to somehow like exchange it to Monero, which is another cryptocurrency I don't know if you guys have ever heard of. Yeah. Monero is, is supposed to be one of the only true, true, super anonymous cryptos. So if that person is able to convert it to Monero, then they're basically like they can get away with it. But there is two ways to get our money back. And the first one is exactly what Graham just said, which is to catch the person, right? Like to, while they're trying to transfer something. And the second way <clears throat> actually happened in 2016 with Ethereum, where somebody stole $50 million of Ethereum. And instead of trying to find the guy who did it, Ethereum hard forked into two separate chains. In one fork, the guy, the attacker, just got away with everything, right? They're rich, they're successful. And the other fork, Ethereum reversed the transaction. And so if in that in that fork, that was Ethereum, ETH, as we know it today. In the other fork, that's ETC, Ethereum Classic. So that was the creation of Ethereum Classic. The reason that Ethereum Classic was created was because it was a reverse transaction of a major hack. And so in this case, everyone could get their money back assuming that all of the cryptos involved would hard fork into two different paths. But there's a huge problem doing that because then everybody's like, no, you know, you're not supposed to change crypto. It's supposed to be immutable. And there's a huge political rift. But that's essentially how you could get your money back. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So hard fork not going to happen. Catching the person is really the goal. But because yeah. this is DeFi, what, what, so where where's the money right now? Is it sitting into some, in some kind of DeFi wallet or, or where is it? <clears throat> I haven't tracked it. I'm not sure where it's sitting now. I'm sure he's moving it right now trying to get away with it, but I don't know exactly where the money's sitting right now. But well, in yeah, theory, it's very hard to like, yeah, try yeah, to steal. I, I, I have two questions here, Andre. One is um, I thought everything was gonna be trackable on the blockchain, so couldn't they use a blockchain somehow? And then the second part I have, um, that, that's kind of a question here is, is this really something that an individual could have done or is this more like a squad, like a team, like 10 or 15, 20 people all working together on this? Mm, yeah, the, <clears throat> to answer the first question, uh, yeah, at this point we know his wallets, so we know all the, like the outputs. So we could go on like Etherscan or Ethscan and we can actually see the wallets. I don't have them like loaded up, but you can see how he's moving the money. So you can literally track at this point what he's doing with it. Um, so that's that's a major problem for him. Um, and the second question is, I, I think I think it's definitely an individual. I don't think it's like a team effort. It's it's not a particularly team intensive effect. Um, now, Poly Network did publish the article of, of like how it happened, and I tried to understand it, but I'll be honest with you, I, I don't understand the technicality of how it was done. It's so like complicated that I don't, I don't, I don't follow it. Dude, that's nuts. I mean, when you really break it down, because we're talking about what was a six hundred million dollars or whatever, and you take that into any other illegal vertical, and there's no way one person could even dream of doing that, right? Think about like. Uh, you know, I don't know, like a cartel or something like that, like moving all this product, like even those guys, it's like teams and like so well connected and like everything's plotted out and like one individual does this. That's just crazy, man. Yeah. A, a lot of people thought it was like an inside job. They were like, oh, that's got to be a private key that was leaked. But I, upon a examination from some crypto analyst company, which I have the name of it, I don't remember offhand what it is. Uh, they published a whole report of what actually happened. Um, and it didn't look like it was like a team effort or anything. Yeah, so. I, I, you know what is concerning about just the, the DeFi aspect of it 
which I, I know centralized finance is different, but centralized finance, really, then you're just relying on the company to cover the bill, right? Like if, if this happened on BlockFi, you're just like, well, BlockFi, can you like reimburse me? Cause you guys have to, so you have like at least a method, like you could sue BlockFi or whatever. Right. But like, you know, what, what kind of makes me nervous is look at, like, I mean, I, I know that they posted this on Twitter, but it's just kind of like, and I know oh, they're, doing the they're, they're doing yeah. more. They're doing more. Yeah. This dear that hacker. Joke. Yeah, this is a joke, right? Yeah. Dear hacker. We are the Poly Network team. We want to establish communication with you and urge you to return the hacked assets. The amount of money you hacked is the biggest hack in history. It's like, really? That's like, oh, that's almost a compliment. Okay. Like, you did the biggest hack in history. Well, well, bravo. Sorry, I, I thought you were showing a phishing email. So this is a legit thing that the Poly Network yes. team sent? They put that on Twitter. Oh, wow. And wait, oh, so I'll let Kevin finish this. And the hacker actually has a message back. Okay. Oh, does he? Where's the hacker yeah. message back? I'll, I'll tell you in a sec. Oh, okay, okay. Well, well, so anyway, law enforcement in any country will regard this as a major economic crime. Maybe not, though. <laughs> we'll see, ironically. Uh, and, see, that's the whole point of, like, DeFi, I feel like, is it's supposed to be separate from law enforcement and government. <laughs> but anyway, it is still theft. Uh, and uh, you will be pursued. It's also kind of interesting, like, what people are going to, like, chase you down the road. <laughs> It is very unwise for you to do any further transactions. <laughs> the money you stole, the money you stole are, wouldn't it be is the money yes. you stole is from? Ten, are, I'm pretty sure it's the money you stole is from tens of thousands of crypto community members. It is from people. tens of thousands. Man, I don't know the whole, the whole English. It's you would think it's weird. Would have somebody revise this and just be like, hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that makes them look. Well. That honestly, that's such a bad messaging. Like that's such so bad, bad messaging. It looks like they're complicit in it. Like that. That's what I thought. It makes them sound guilty because it's like such right. a silly, like, look at us. We're going to send a message on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, and then I, and then I uh, sent you a text that mm. you could put the, the hacker's response okay. on here. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Somebody, by the way, warned the hacker and said, hey, by the way, don't do anything with Heather. They're going to be able to track you like that. He sent the person back 13.37 Ethereum, which is like 43 45 grand. grand. $45,000 as a thank you for just warning him. Whoa. 1337, which is... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Say this about 1337 again, because that's my favorite number ever. <laughs> wait, say exactly. it again. So somebody warned the hacker that Tether was being shut down and not to spend it because they, they would be able to track it. Right. So he sent that person back who warned him 13.37 Ethereum. <laughs> grand. Warning which, which that's a leak tip for anybody yeah. wondering the, the reason 1337 is is uh it, i feel like it was really popularized well certainly in, in gaming culture runescape very very popular in runescape hacker culture very popular 1337 it, it, if you translate it to letters would be l-e-e-t which is like elite or leet but anyway i got that hacker message up so i'm gonna go ahead and put that that response back Andre, maybe you can help add some color to this. So it says here, input, I, I don't really understand what's going on here. It looks like a transaction commentary here or yeah. whatever. It would have been a billion hack if I had moved remaining uh, S-coins, <laughs> explicit here. Did I just save the project? Not so interested in money. Now considering returning some tokens or just leaving them here. So it's almost like this person's trying to... Um, to, to send a, a message. I feel like that's what hackers do though, to maybe try to like, to minimize consequences to them. <laughs> like well, I'm doing this as a social service. Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like if this guy gets caught, is he like going to jail for life? Like what is the penalty on this situation? Like if he's actually caught. Great question. 
So I'm well, guessing is, is theft of DeFi a crime? I guess I mean, like, is it is it recognized that, as an asset? He could argue, and he's got the money now. He he could argue that uh, he found an exploit and he took advantage of it. Is 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 that is finding a loophole or an exploit? Is that a crime on the DeFi network? Should be, no. but is it? Well, and who question. says who in DeFi says something is a crime? Like, there's, right. like, yeah. it, isn't crime by definition something government tells you not to do? You know, look, I love DeFi. I do think it's the future, but I thought it was really funny and, and unfortunate in a way that like DeFi is kind of like the teenage kid who lives with his parents. It's like, I want my, I want to move out. And it's like, all right, move out, do your thing. And now it's like, wait, I'm broke. I need help. And so the <laughs> DeFi community actually needs help from these centralized agencies from, you know, our government or from centralized finance to help revert this transaction, which I think is kind of ironic and unfortunate and, and also why I don't think centralized finance is going anywhere and also did why just, I actually did, did this just like bankrupt DeFi like did they is, or what no 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 this is just one DeFi platform out of many many decentralized platforms um, right right guessing, so why do they oh so you're saying this platform needs help yeah yeah exactly yeah I'm, I'm just saying just it's like the other is kind of ironic it's, yeah it's, that's true yeah. but couldn't they go to other like I don't know, maybe they're like DeFi, other DeFi platforms that have really good forensics or whatever, and maybe they can help. But maybe there's a DeFi oh, forensics. For sure. for sure. The problem is, though, is there's always going to be that risk of like what God knows what exploit there could happen, you know, and, 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 and the benefit of DeFi is besides, you know, the KYC, you know, your customer laws that you could just go around, you could just make a wallet. You don't need your social security. You don't need an address, no email. You just get started right away. You know, it kind of makes evading taxes possible i'm not saying right. you should do that i think you should pay your taxes but a lot of that, that appeals to a lot of people but the problem is um even though you're going to get a crazy high interest rate on these DeFi platforms like i've seen interest rates of upwards of 10 percent that you can get paid on stable coins like I, i've seen crazy numbers and the risk you're taking is that there is at least one percent chance that a hundred percent of your money could disappear that's not a risk I'm willing to take, which is why I don't really promote DeFi as much as I do like, you know, the BlockFi's, the Gemini, the Coinbase's. It just, it just makes more sense to be a little bit safer. Yeah, who who's really using these DeFi platforms? Like, like that's what I'm trying to figure out. Because, I mean, most people <coughs> that I know are using like Coinbase or other, or other platforms like that. So uh, I'm just curious, like, who's actually using that? Um, that would be the bigger brokerages like the Coinbase's, like the Gemini's. Um, BlockFi doesn't use it, but some of the bigger businesses that are a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more, I guess, intricate with their knowledge of crypto, they use that stuff and they yield farm. And so they could deposit their stuff on a reputable DeFi exchange, get that 10%, keep five for themselves and pay 5% Ethereum deposits or whatever deposits for customers. So they're yield farming themselves and then passing off the difference to their customers. Wow, man. Yeah. yeah, or or really sophisticated individuals that understand this stuff and want to take that risk, which I'm not one of those people. Whoa, wow, that's crazy, man. I mean, just, I mean, if it's really just one person did this, it, it just makes me think like, I'm a, man, I would assume every uh, terrorist organization, everybody's going to be looking into this and potentially right. trying to do something, right? Because, I mean, yeah. if it's that easy, one guy did it, like, why can't we get a crew of, you know, five or ten experts, you know? So, I don't know. It, it's not a good look. That's all I know. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that tweet that he sent out just meant, like, if he actually stole all the other coins that were smaller cap, then that hack would have been, you know, over a billion dollars. And I'm not sure exactly what he means. Like, 
he's trying to help the project, whether he's referring to the to, to the network, to the decentralized exchange, or the actual cryptos. I'm not sure what he means. It seems like he's talking about the actual crypto because I mean he's already done damage to the the DeFi network in the sense that right. now people are going to be paranoid about security. Uh, right. Even if it's fixed, to like, well, what else is out there? It's obviously a really smart guy, so he's right. going to be able to find some way to do it again. But I think just the end goal of this is like, how do you how do you cash out of that? And I've heard that you could transfer that over to Monero and maybe try to disappear. But I think all of it, right? That eventually you'd be able to trace that back. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm just curious I don't know about that regulation. Like, how are they going to? save people's money like i have no idea how they're going to get their money back yeah but yeah how people who lost their money are going to get their money back i i don't know but uh you know here's the reality is if if even where the money is now uh i just feel like all it would take is is sending the money to certain people's addresses uh or getting into monero or whatever and then uh they have what are they called the um crypto treasurer people and they're crypto treasurer people the wall street journal did a whole thing on them or basically the whole purpose they exist is to take people's hot crypto, like like stolen crypto, uh, and then go bury uh, cash somewhere. So it's like, oh, send me $100,000 in crypto. I'll go bury $80,000 of cash behind this tree in this park or whatever in the middle of the night. Here are the GPS coordinates. Go get it. And then there's your 80 grand or whatever. And now, now you're cashing out cash. And there you go. Now you go spend it, you know. Yeah, but how That's do you crazy. get that much? I mean, even let's say like $50 million, let's say, how do you even go about doing that? And then if that were the case, why wouldn't you just take an amount that doesn't get such big headlines? Stealing five, 10 million bucks. You know, it's more beautiful, it's on the radar. A lot of these companies, maybe they have insurance. Well, I guess there, there, is, no, there, there is no insurance. Stupid. Graham's, <laughs> Graham's like, oh, that hacker shouldn't have been so greedy. You got to get away with five million <laughs> just as easy. <laughs> well, the, the, I, I think I, the problem is like they could scatter that money into yeah. like kind of Kevin said into like, let's say, a hundred smaller transactions, at which point it becomes so hard to trace all of them and hard to catch them. You could just micro transact it out of existence. So I don't I really don't know. I think the only way is to hard fork. And I don't see Ethereum hard forking again. I don't see like a stable coin hard forking. That just I don't know how that would even work. So yeah. I don't know. I like th this theory. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't like the theory. I think that's probably the wrong phrase, but it makes me curious. Uh, what looking at the root cause of this that Poly Network says, like what caused it? It was the matter of really changing like a few lines of code. You would have had to somehow been such so proficient in this poly network code i feel like maybe not uh to to know this whole that it does kind of make you wonder if what if it was an inside job and now this is just this is your out this is your cash out you know uh yeah. just i don't know and that tweet does not help <laughs> that no tweet not at does all not help man it's not such a bad tweet they should have really had somebody proofread that the tweet I, and andre it was an inside point, job immediately yeah and Andre, your point about micro transaction uh, transacting this out of existence. I mean, imagine if you took six hundred, whatever, six hundred million dollars. What is that? Six hundred million divided by how many? How many Ethereum would that be? I don't know. A lot. Uh, but the point is, you send everybody, let's say, one Ethereum, or you send, you know, you just want to be generous, and you send like a hundred million Americans or whatever, whatever the number is. Maybe not a hundred million, but however many thousands, two thousand, two million Americans get one Ether. 
<laughs> you know what? Right. And how how how, are the, how who has the manpower to deal with enforcing all that and taking that it back? Fascinating. Imagine that a crypto hacker turned into like a real life Robin hero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steal but wouldn't they be able to? But eventually, like some person would would have like if everyone gets a thousand, let's just say, <clears throat> eventually at some point you're gonna have someone with like a million. Wouldn't they just investigate the the highest? Uh, transactions, so like the highest amount, the highest dollar amount. Yeah, but what but do they do to the other two, like 1,999 people? Are they, like they're not going to go after them, I, I'm assuming. No. And, and who's yeah. responsible? Like who says that like, like does Germany go after this DeFi thing or, or does America go after this? Does does America right. care to spend resources on DeFi? You know, look, I get it's it's a hack, so it's a crime of someone, but I mean, it's a crime of how many people? I mean, how many people are affected by a six hundred million dollar thing? If each person has two thousand bucks, that's millions of people who are affected. You know, all the Congress people that are against crypto are like, "Yes, this is awesome firepower when we regulate." Yeah. I also I would true. not be surprised if they do nothing about this because they want to spin the narrative that like this is what you get. You want it, you know, you don't want regulation. All right, fine. We're not gonna we're not gonna look into this, but you're on your own. And then later down the line, they'll they'll use that to their advantage. That's, that's what, what I've been saying. That that's what I've been yeah. saying. That that's one of the biggest reasons they're not regulating something yeah. that should have been re regulated since 2017. They're just like, let the kids play with the matches. When they burn the house down, we'll tell them I told you so. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, man, you know, it's just crazy to me to think like you know this guy basically took 600 mil and, and no one knows if anything's even gonna happen to him criminally or, or whatever. Because I mean, I was thinking about the, this story you guys were talking about inside job and it reminded me of the story at QT. So uh, back when I was working at QT, there was this one worker he was let go or whatever, and then uh, all of a sudden we had a robbery at the Lake Wiley store. And um, whoever robbed the store definitely knew what they were doing because you needed a special key to turn in the safe so you could drop all the hundreds out of the safe. And you would only know that if you worked in like management at QT, right? And so next thing we know, uh, you know, they find them and they arrest them and whatnot. And uh, I think his buddy had a gun on him too. So I, I don't know if it was like an armed robbery at that point, but I, I don't know, you know, how much time that guy did. He might've done months, he might've done years to, to steal $1,200. And, uh, and now we're talking about $600 million and we don't even know if this guy's going to go to jail or, uh, anything. That's just like, it's just crazy to think that it right? is, it is mind blowing. And I'm just surprised that Ethereum and, you know, like the price hasn't really crashed. I mean, you would think at this point, you know, people would be so scared and I'm surprised we've gotten to a point where a headline like $600 million stolen doesn't just flash crash the market. That's you know what I'm more surprised about it's it's if you look at the major news outlets, almost no one is covering it. Yeah, a lot of the attention right now is the infrastructure package. Almost right. nobody is talking about it, which I found unique I, for the largest hack in history. For the, for the fact that that somehow gets like watered down and like you know it's on CNBC, but you have to scroll all the way down. Is it like, weird? Yeah, that is interesting. <clears throat> Speaking of the infrastructure bill, I didn't actually get to see that. Did you guys look at that? <clears throat> Kevin, <laughs> we all defer to Kevin. He might have been oh, sorry, that's crazy right. one to, to get. Yeah, yeah. That. You know what's what the biggest thing? Look, this is there are two infrastructure. Quick, okay. Two infrastructure packages: hard infrastructure, soft infrastructure. This is the hard one with the money for roads, bridges, seven and a half billion dollars for car chargers, uh, airports, so on and so forth. The Senate passed it. Great, wonderful. 
the negotiation ain't over. Because what happens now is this entire bill goes over to Nancy Pelosi's desk. And Nancy Pelosi's going to sit on it. And she's going to sit on it until the House comes up with the soft infrastructure package, uh, which is where they want to extend the child tax credit and tax real estate and wealthy people more. And until they get all of those taxes, they're probably not going to do anything with the bill they just passed. So to me, the whole infrastructure thing is a big load of nothing until we actually get that next phase of the negotiation done, which the House comes back to work at the end of August. Now, Kevin, um, why why would there be such an impasse if Congress is essentially like a trifecta of Democrats? Like, what is the disagreement? Mm, yeah, so the big issue now is the uh, there's this neutral person in Congress, in the Senate, uh, the parliamentarian, who decides what the rules are, or or when there's a dispute, determines what the what the solution is going to be. And Democrats wanted to use this measure called budget reconciliation two more times to pass whatever bills they wanted. Ideally, a soft infrastructure package and a hard infrastructure package. Senate parliamentarian said you can only do one more, uh, which will be really interesting because they did get enough votes in the Senate to where they didn't have to pass this hard infrastructure bill through reconciliation. So this is where things are going to get very interesting because the Democrats are going to try to push the soft bill through with 50 votes. But at the same time, this is where things really get complicated now. Mitch McConnell's going to go, if you try to do that, we will sandbag the raising of the debt limit at the end of September and we'll shut down the government. So the real fun is coming. Mm, I see. Got it. That makes a little bit more sense. I was actually fairly surprised that uh, taxes were not raised on corporations in this latest uh, infrastructure package. Yeah, it wouldn't be in this one. So all of the tax increases are going to go in the soft infrastructure package. They purposely put no no tax increases on like corpse or, or real estate or whatever in the in the hard one just to kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, Republicans vote with us on it. Because here's the thing, in my opinion, the Republicans just got duped. They got enough Republicans on board to where they didn't need to use budget reconciliation on the hard infrastructure package. The only way that was going to happen was if there were no taxes. That was the only way it was going to happen. So I kind of feel like Republicans just got duped because Democrats still have that one budget reconciliation option. They got played. Wouldn't it then go back to the Senate afterwards, though? Uh, Well, no. See, they they, they passed the soft bill. If the House passes it without making amendments, it doesn't go back to the Senate. Right. Uh, now, in the Senate, Democrats alone could pass the soft version. That then goes over to the House. And the House, Nancy Pelosi, can go, Haha, I get to sign both of them. And and Republicans, you know, then have to fight with the debt limit, basically. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So am I correct in assuming the, the hard infrastructure bill is more to help everybody out and then the soft one is we're going to sneak in all the other stuff like you said, like the taxes and stuff that's more debatable? Um, when you think of hard, think of just straight up bridges, roads, broadband, uh, you know, main things like that. Like what right. you would expect infrastructure to be. Infrastructure, right. Social infrastructure, soft, that's going to be like, hey, let's give you – three, four more years of child tax credits, which is basically like 250 to $300 per month per child. Uh, let's raise taxes and make the rich pay more and so on and so forth. Right. The more contentious stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's what they're going to get through with only Democrats or, or that's what they plan to do, which what's really interesting 
is there there's a lot of talk and there are a lot of rumors about what if a Republican governor gets into California, Dianne Feinstein, who's 88, retires or, or for whatever reason, maybe a medical reason, has to leave. Now a Republican governor gets to appoint a replacement senator and basically California could sandbag the entire country's Democratic Party like, and like Biden's administration could get sandbagged by just losing oh. one senator. Holy mm. crap. Wait, so, so yeah. are, are you yeah. advancing or did uh, Newsom get recalled yet or? So on the election is on September 15th, uh, sorry, 14th, and it's a single, uh, a single ballot. So it's should he be recalled and then who should replace him? And so lately, we've actually been going up in the polls because I'm, I am, people know this, one, it's not a secret anymore. I am running as a JFK style Democrat in the middle, want to bring everybody together. Uh, and uh, I think one of the reasons we're advancing in the polls is because people are freaking out like, oh my gosh, if there is a Republican governor, that, that means that Republican, that one senator could totally change national politics. Wow. Couldn't you still pick though a Republican senator as a Democratic governor? And no, no. <laughs> no? No. Okay. No. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Graham, I mean, come on, man. I don't even know that much about politics. I don't know. Listen, ridiculous. I thought you're able to pick whoever you want. I, I didn't think it would had to come down to parties. I thought, like, hey, I like this guy. Pick him. It should, it should be like that. Listen, I think it should be based on a person's policies. You, I, mean, I think technically you're. Look, you you know I stand for that. I'm a big I'm a big person about hey, just look at the policies, you know, at at uh, you know my website. I'm not trying to plug it here, but just look at the policies. If you agree with them, vote that way. But uh, yeah, but yeah, in terms of policies. balance of political power, yeah. that's something you, else. You could see the policies at uh, bankrollcoffee.com. <laughs> kidding. There you go. You guys are making me cough. Oh, Kevin, you're telling me don't buy Caterpillar stock yet. No CAT quite yet. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, I, Caterpillar. I, I actually sold it a while ago. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's too, too, too soon. Too soon, too in my opinion. I mean, like, hey, you know what? Maybe it'll get pre-priced in, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's cough. But, um, yeah, um, you know, I saw Tesla rose after the infrastructure bill passed. Uh, it, it went up to, like, 720 or something like that. And I'm like, why is this going up? It ain't a done deal yet. And pretty soon after that, it's just like duh, 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 right back down. I think people realize, like, oh yeah, wait, we still have to wait for the house. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's gonna be a while. No, that Ooh. makes sense. It, it's crazy because you know sometimes I don't even think we realize like the state of the infrastructure in the United States because a lot of times we don't experience it. Like for me, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, a, a very newish city. Right nowadays, I live in Vegas, and like this whole city's basically been built in the last thirty years. So we have great roads for the most part, great highways, things like that. Almost everything's new. But man, you go to the you go up to the north, you go out to the east coast. It's just crazy. It's it's like night and day, and so many bridges and roads and highways and everything needs to be worked on in this country in a massive way and then the airports don't even get me started on some of the airports right yeah. and um it, it's yeah we need it done it's just it seems like it's always like we're gonna do it and then it's like i feel like that's been like the past 10 15 years it's been like that and it's like where's the real big huge like we're changing the united states we're gonna fix all this stuff and it's just well, well, speaking of this infrastructure stuff, are any of you guys like trying to time the market by buying or selling any of those infrastructure stocks? Because like that's that's not my style. I don't really do that. I don't know if anything, Jeremy, maybe Kevin. I don't know. You guys try to time anything? Uh, not not with infrastructure, more with Delta. You know, it, it, um, 
I don't know. I mean, there's so much talk about people like, oh, Delta's just going to go up and then it's going to go down again because, like it did in the United Kingdom. But the United are Kingdom. About, are like, you talking about? Are you talking about Delta stock? Or are you talking about stock. Delta oh, Rona? Del, Delta. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Like, not trying to time anything with infrastructure. Uh, am willing to time the Delta variant impacts on the market, but um, you know, the big question right now is: Is Delta going to surge longer in America than it did in? The United Kingdom, or are we just gonna have that quick up and down? That's a big thing right now. But is Delta like the uh, the scariest variant now? Or I thought there was like a different one. Uh, I don't even know what they're called anymore. They have like Pokemon names. Lambda. Lambda's Lambda. the other. One. Yeah, and then I was hearing about something past Lambda, but the numbers again wow. weird. So yesterday it shows that we had two hundred forty-five thousand new cases, but then the Crazy. previous day it was saying like forty thousand, and so it was like, whoa, maybe we're out of the woods. And then all of a sudden, and so I'm like, maybe they messed up the numbers, and maybe they were supposed to That's be the weekend. Yeah, part of that in the previous day. I don't know. Very, very strange, but I thought it was weird that it's all because of the weekend. So like, uh, here I'll, I'll pull it up. If you go. Um, it's always Saturdays and Sundays. I don't know why. I mean, it must just be like a way they process or report the testing or whatever. But this has been true for, gosh, quite a while here. Uh, back in all the STEMI update days, uh, that's uh, this was always sort of the pattern, is that you always get the weekend days, have these really low report days. Uh, and so if you go out, that's just always consistent here. So, But that, that average just exploded here. And yeah. usually the Monday report is actually the lowest of the week. So in theory, Saturday, which is Friday's data, should be the highest spike if we continue on the same trend. Yeah, and the, the other important number for folks uh, at home watching to pay attention to outside of just that number is hospitalization and ICU numbers. And those numbers have jumped up dramatically um, and reached a new high when those were reported a few days ago. Have you, have you guys looked at any of the death rates? I know that's probably one of them. Like death? Yeah, death rates have jumped, uh, certainly versus where they were a month ago. Like if you look at how many deaths were happening a month ago, it's it's jumped, but it hasn't jumped nearly as dramatic, I think, because honestly, a lot of older people have gotten the shots. So uh, a lot of them just aren't as effective if they are getting it, because um, those are the ones that are most at risk. It doesn't mean you can't die if you're young or something like that. So we all know that that's possible. But it's really the, the elderly that are the most at risk. And most of those folks have gotten their shots. So right. but the hospitalization ICU numbers are the important ones to keep in mind because those are the ones that you know if there was any possibility of us shutting down or whatnot it would be because the hospitals and icus are getting too full and they would be like oh man you know um so i don't know that that's something to consider at least if you're going to look at the numbers so yeah, it just seems like who cares? That, that's what I, you know i don't really hear much talk about this i had cnbc on all day yesterday i didn't really hear them talking about the numbers much they're definitely not politicizing this uh, like the previous one, I could tell you that much, man. You know, I don't want to go too much on that. But last time that, you know, we know what it was and they're not politicizing this time at all. And it just seems like, eh, whatever, let's just let it go. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It'll be interesting to see what the winter numbers look like. Like that, oh, right, that's a big for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be the most important because you saw 245, you know, I mean, that's a number we haven't seen since the peak 
of Rony Rona back in, what was that, December, January? You know, you, you haven't seen over 200,000 in a long, long time. So I don't know. We'll see. Hope for the best. But um, I don't know, man. It, it scares me because it just seems like no one's like really paying attention or caring. And it's just like, I'm just like, are we going to get like, like, you know, blindsided by this thing? And all of a sudden, like one day it's like, oh, yeah, by, by the way, guys, all of a sudden we're, we're, we're limiting the economy. We're shutting down again. And it just comes out of nowhere. Or is this just going to be like we turn a blind eye to it? And hospitalizations and in ICU numbers and the cases can fly high and we're like, yeah, whatever. Right. That's a really great point. And that's partially probably because it's not fun because not we're not politicizing this. So it's just like the news are like, oh, I'll just put it on the back burner until it does become interesting. And I think partially because we're just so sick of staying indoors. We're just like, let's not make this a big story. Let's just pretend it's not happening. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think is a big part of it is that a lot of people spent the last year without doing anything. And now that they're getting that like little taste of freedom back, I, I think giving that up is, is an issue for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and I mean, ultimately, the news covers what people are watching. And if people are less interested in COVID coverage, then, then I think they'll cover it less. Right. That's a good point, Kevin. That's a good uh, point. Um, kind of yeah. like views on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, hey, you guys uh, buying any stocks or cryptos out there? Any moves you guys are making? Fisker, uh, guys. Did you see Fisker? Saw Fisker. Yeah. So this has been a stock that uh, I just, every now and then I'll throw a little money into it. No, nothing crazy, but... Uh, yeah, a few months ago when it dropped down to like 10, 11 bucks, and yeah, you know what? And I was down at the time because I think my average buying at that time was like $15. Just kept buying more, kept buying more. It slowly started going up. I was shocked. I still don't know exactly what caused the uh, the sudden run up. And is that Fisker from Fisker Karma? The Karma? Yeah, FSR. Interesting. What's yeah. the interest in that stock? Are they coming back? Because I remember their original car. I think it was it's uh, they stopped selling, right? Yeah, no, they had some. They did. They did. They came back. They started selling the Karma again. A really oh. cool looking car. Coming out. It, it always looked like it always looked like the car had a mustache in the front. Like if you pull up a picture, yeah, that car legit looks like it just has like a sir mustache on it. It does. <laughs> it does. It's listen. It's a they're they're a good car. They're not as advanced and sophisticated as Tesla is. Um, but you know what? I think a lot of people see them as an underdog and maybe they have a chance. And a lot of people think, well, Tesla's so expensive. I missed out on that, but, uh, I, I could roll the dice and see if, if Fisker could be something similar. That's what it I has, has C Kevin has CCIV. Have they gone into production? And by the way, has that merger officially happened now between Lucid and CCIV? Is that, is that a thing of the past? I haven't tracked Yeah, the, the merger's done. They're still working on their beta vehicles. They got to they got to ramp. Otherwise, the stock's just going to sit sideways for a while. But, you know, that's always the hardest part is getting your first sold vehicles off, off the lot. And I think there are a lot of people excited. That'll be a big moment because that'll be, I think, uh, actually, I think that'll be the first United States pure uh, EV competitor to Tesla. So we can't call Well, so CCIV is expected to beat this Fisker company to the, the next up, I guess you can say. Well, and I don't know about, oh, you're talking about an upstart EV because I'm like, there's been plenty of EVs created by uh, companies that are already existing, but you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you're a new EV. Yep. Yeah. Like, uh, any kind of company that just does EVs. Like who, who else do we have? I mean, there's Neo in China, uh, you, know, yeah. you know, Ford and GM, they do some EVs, but in terms of new car companies, nothing else yep. in the US other than Tesla. Yeah. 
Ford's interesting. I, I mean, you know, their EV products are getting pretty darn interesting. Obviously, they got the the, the Mustang product out there in the market now, the SUV. Um, from my understanding, they got the, the F-Series coming here, and uh, that's going to ramp. So I don't know. I think Ford's actually... I mean, if I had to put money on it, I would say they're probably number, they're looking at probably number two EVs um, at the moment, at least if we're looking at United States, I don't want to speak about worldwide because that gets crazy. But right now I'm like, who, who's really ahead of Ford um, as far as EV goes? What about Rivian? Did anybody, did, did you guys talk about that one? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like that's a, that's a whole other thing. Amazon, from my understanding, made a big stake in them, if not bought them out, if I recall. And then uh, Amazon, I think, wants to use them to make uh, electric uh, package trucks, essentially. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ford's yeah. just got such a big audience already. They've got such mm -hmm. a good history behind them. Uh, the the F one fifty is such a such a brand. The Mustang, that Monkey, I was shocked. By the way. Originally, that Mach-E came out. I hated it. I thought it was the ugliest looking thing, but they're selling. Uh, I, I think they were the, the second uh, most bought electric SUV, believe it or not, is that Ford Mustang Mach-E. It's blown away. But I see them. I see them everywhere. You're driving around, especially in Vegas. You're driving around. You see these things. It's impossible to drive down the freeway and not see a, a Mustang Mach-E. So. I think the Model Y is cooler, though. I said. I agree, but you know what? Ford has a very loyal brand, as does Tesla. So uh, sure. Ford yeah. right now just does the numbers. And not every single person's going to buy, you know, a Tesla. It's just not going to happen, right? It doesn't matter how great the Tesla is. It's not. It's not going to happen. It's no different than. I mean, we would all assume every single person would have an iPhone, but yet iPhone, even in the United States, has what fifty percent, fifty six percent market share. Like that to me is crazy because I feel like. Almost everybody I know has an iPhone, and yet they only have maybe half the market share. So I think I think the biggest thing people sleep on that don't own electric vehicles, and this is I think for me the biggest consideration, is just the charging infrastructure. It's just like for every other manufacturer, it's just not there. Mm -hmm. It just has the charging. It, that's the most important thing. Like I don't want to wait in line two hours before I start to charge. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, that's a great point. I mean. Well, and most of the other chargers, they don't, at least that I'm aware of, they don't have the, um, well, first of all, a lot of them aren't fast. Of the supercharger networks, I don't, most of the time when I see cars at them, I just see them, it feels like they're there all day long. Like the <laughs> Tesla one, like, you know, the app's like, we're going to charge you if you don't get out of here, you know, charge to 80%, then go. So you get that turnover. Uh, I think Tesla's really got that charging infrastructure down. I'm sure the other companies are trying to catch up, but, uh, but boy, yeah, I mean, if you went, I just looked. Ford uh, here in, in my area has got a couple Mach-E's, uh, but I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, well, if you owned one, where would you charge it? You know, just got a bunch of slow chargers around, and that's boring. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know about um, uh, Ford's charging at home. I don't know if it's just like you, you do it the same way you would do a Tesla. That's something I haven't looked into, but that's... In, that's I'm sure. You plug it into the wall, man. Like yeah. your plug. When are you going to order that adapter so you can I, plug it into I, the freaking wall? Kevin, thank you. I ordered it, and also I checked on Amazon to see if yeah. it was cheaper, and it was actually like triple the price on Amazon versus the Tesla website, which I was shocked because you know you would assume old oh, Tesla website probably going to be the most expensive. It was triple the price on Amazon. So thank wow. you, Kevin. I ordered yeah, I directly from Tesla. It's coming Thursday. I can't go. wait. But the problem is, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to plug it in because uh, I told Graham this uh, when I plug the car in on that side. Ish, the like the breaker goes. Oh. Yeah, 
but you're gonna that's a that's a dedicated circuit that you have that plug that's there oh. i promise you you're fine it's designed for that bro you're fine oh, <laughs> thank you kevin appreciate you man i can't yeah. wait i'm gonna be charging yeah. these cars so fast i'm gonna be driving all over this neighborhood wait what is this plug you guys are talking about should i get one too what is this so Jeremy has a laundry plug. It's, it's it's a dedicated circuit for EVs where it is, but he's been charging it through an extension cord off of 120 regular LM. Jeremy, it's right there, wow. <laughs> but you have to buy an adapter. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate you, Kevin. For that, yeah. I'm going to tell you about a great stock. It's yes. called Tattoo <laughs> Chef. <laughs> it's easy to Did you buy yet? Hey, no, in all seriousness, the chef is reporting in less than 48 hours. I'm nervous, guys. And here's why I'm nervous. The yeah. stock's been going up a lot this week. It went up big yesterday. Today, the market was down. It wasn't up big today, but it was still up. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, is this going to keep going up into earnings? And then it's like pff, down 15% after earnings. Also, because Jeremy invested his soul into Tattoo <laughs> <laughs> Chef. So, oh, man. How much of your worth is, is in it now? What's that? What's that, Andre? What's your, what percentage of, uh, of, of the portfolio's TTCF? Uh, I don't know, probably 15%-ish. Okay. So. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. That, that The earnings should be interesting, man. That, that, that you, is gonna be big for me. So. Are you nervous because Beyond Meat got whacked? Not as nervous, because th there, there's a big difference between TTCF and Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat's having a lot of trouble innovating. Like I go to the mm. store and I'm like, what has Beyond Meat done in the last two years? Like it seems like mm. the same products, the same amount of shelf space for the most part uh, that they had last year or the previous year, whereas Tattoo Chef's in a whole different growth mode and they're, they're launching SKUs left and right. They're getting more SKUs in stores and they're just innovating at a crazy rapid clip. And, and Beyond Meat, I'm like, I'm just not seeing – and that's why I that's why I got out of Beyond Meat and went all in Tattoo Chef because I'm like this company, wow. yeah, innovating at so much more of a rapid pace in Beyond Meat. Um, I didn't and, know you sold because I still remember your Beyond Meat video from a while ago. Yeah. It was actually I'm pretty sure it was last November, and I know it was last November because uh, I was playing RuneScape and listening to you while I was playing RuneScape. <laughs> uh, anyway, and and yeah, you were talking about how their branding is so ubiquitous and they're everywhere. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be negative on Beyond Meat. It's just when I look at them versus Tattoo Chef, it's night, night and day. Uh, when mm. I see the, the pace of innovation at Tattoo Chef, um, and and also you look at the, the valuations, Beyond Meat has a huge valuation on it. Like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to speak on it today, but it might be ten billion or so. You know, Tattoo's like a billion dollar something company, right? right. So, so, so it, yeah. sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, go ahead. Uh, if if uh, if somebody who's like watching this video is not invested in Beyond Meat, do you have like a like a one minute elevator spiel for like convincing them, or is it too high at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean it's hard for me to like 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 you know talk super positive about them because I I just I I have sorry not Beyond Meat so sorry TTC oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I speaking on that all the time, but they're just innovative, man. They're, they're innovative. They're building their brand. They're getting in more stores, more SKUs everywhere. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to miss the product, you know, how well the SKUs sell. So far, it's been great. Target said it's the best frozen food launch in the history of Target. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to get too jacked up about that. But mm -hmm. So buy or sell below $20. 
well, I, as a long-term investor, I'm always going to buy. Short-term, I don't know, man. Like, you know, it could go to 18, it could go 17. I don't know. It was at 15 back in April, April 20th, 420. It was 50, It was in the 15s. Um, so I don't know. In the short term, it's going to be volatile. Wall Street's coming to that stock, though, too. You know, and Kevin, I don't know if you know, but two analysts only cover Tattoo Chef right now, too, mm -hmm. which for most stocks, it, you know, you're talking eight, 10. And for the bigger stocks, obviously, like a Tesla, you're talking like 50, 60 analysts, right? Yeah. So the great thing about those Wall Street analysts, when they come into a stock, and I think this is important for folks to remember if you're ever buying small caps, Although I don't like analysts that much, they're important because they're always talking about your stock. They're upgrading, downgrading. They're, they're coming out with research reports about the stock. And so they're kind of like a necessary evil of Wall Street to actually promote your stock. And a lot of, as silly as it sounds, a lot of funds and high net worth individuals will not buy a stock unless an analyst comes out and upgrades it. And that's why you see crazy moves up. Uh, Smile Direct Club today was down 24% SDC. It was because they missed numbers, but also every single analyst on the stock downgrade the stock today. And that's how you get a stock to sell off 24% a day. Yeah. So, so Jeremy talks about two analysts on TTCF. He's talking about both of his YouTube channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Financial one, education three. one and number three. That's right. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's just Kevin and me. Imagine it, it's just average. <laughs> two analysts. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, well, what's, your, what's your opinion on analysts? I would love to hear your opinion as, as being somebody that's, you know, in the stock market, what do you? How do you feel about the analyst community? You're yeah, I don't care about their prices, but I love their research. I mean, I I love it because it's it's you you get um, you should always challenge your own theses and your own opinion. Like for example, if if an analyst said something amazing about TTCF and they're like, hey, they're working on you know mixing this into their product, whatever. Uh, and I looked at that, I'm like, oh wow, that that could actually lead to revenue. 10xing more than I thought or whatever. That's important, right? So it, it is a good way of getting perspective. I think just blindly following the price guidance is, is stupid uh, because they change their minds all their time, right? But but the actual underlying research I, I enjoy. Yeah, I got a little difference of opinion. I have no respect for almost all analysts on Wall Street. And, uh, you know, Tesla's a perfect example. When I was buying that stock in 2019, man, all these analysts, they were always backwards looking. And they would always talk about what Tesla had for market share now, what they were doing in the past and the past yeah. numbers and stuff like that. And it was never like looking forward. And I understand from an analyst perspective, you kind of got to be in the present or looking at the past numbers. But a lot of forecasting, especially growth stocks, what's really important is the future. Like no, no one cares about the past. It's all about the future. Right. And so that's the one kind of pushback. And then they also when when the. Man, if one comes out negative, then it seems like they all start coming out negative. And then as soon as the stock starts to move up, next thing you know, they're upgrading, upgrading, and then and then the stock keeps going up, and they have to upgrade to the next level. And it's like they all follow each other around. Uh, no, no, no. Our analysts, uh, I know they're required to disclose their positions, but there's no like requirement for them to, like, if they're short sellers to disclose that. Like, if you're a short seller and you have a negative sentiment, are you supposed to disclose that, or could yes. they just be kind of manipulating the price and be like, uh? Yeah, they're supposed to. They're supposed to. Uh, what was the one? Hindenburg research. They they short everything, and it's like in the fine print, you see that uh, at the bottom or somewhere that they have a short position on this. They're bearish. It it. But they all disclose it. Do people pay right. attention? Probably not. I mean, yeah. I've seen the disclosure of like, oh, I'm long or I'm short. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's like a point. Oh, where's Kevin? Whoa, Kevin. Did you did you go away, uh, Kevin? Kevin. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh -oh. Anyway, 
Man, so uh, yeah. So, anyways, they, by the way, I want to make clear about this: the Hindenburg thing. This is thing is too close to my face. Sorry, oh, there you go. <laughs> it's too close to my face. That was that was getting weird, man. Oh, <laughs> it was like right here. So, anyways, the Hindenburg, by the way, in that whole situation, man, this is throwing me off now that the the the, the whole four squares are different. <laughs> Lost my train of thought. The Hindenburg report, by the way, they're not analysts. That that's like uh, kind of almost like an investment fund, just to be Got clear it. about that, Graham. Okay. So usually analysts work for Bank of America, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, or like specific investment banks and things like that. So, um, but anyways, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, but is there any, there's no uh, professional crypto analysts yet, right? Right, Andre? It's just, uh, everybody's got- Not like official ones, I don't think. No, not like- Oh, well, I mean, look at like Yassine who works at ARK Invest, right? Uh, Okay. absolute analyst on crypto and, and they make they publish really good papers so they're there yeah, yeah. I, fi- I figured in, it's just a matter of time before the big investment banks add you know crypto experts or analysts um to cover yeah. to cover those especially if more of them are interested in buying them which I, I would what, what is the state of that app. andre what's the state of like wall street money coming in crypto it, you well, know that's that- a great point i actually don't i don't read those i don't see those um you know crypto analysts but you know, I'd love to see that resource, um, and I'd just love to see like crypto brokerages display their ratings, and I'd love to see their perspectives. I, I haven't seen that on anything that I use, but I don't know what Kevin's using. Oh, I mean, uh, you can follow you see it on Twitter. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. Okay. You you follow Arc really closely, right, Kevin? I like to. I think they're great. Yeah. Okay. I got I got something to show you guys here. Ooh. To show you, okay? Yeah. Uh, you ready for this? So uh, it was uh, either two episodes or three episodes ago. I showed this to the guys. It was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I was down sixty three thousand dollars on this. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, look at where we are at now. Whoop, I need to go this way a little bit. We are now positive seven thousand seven hundred dollars. Wow. There you go, man. That's like winning a jackpot at the casino that's right awesome. there, man. It, that's One just, day that'll happen to my Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just crazy how, how volatile – it just shows you how crazy volatile crypto is. It's just in its own category. You know, It makes stocks yeah. look like it's just not even – I wish Coinbase would do that. Yeah. Oh, well, good job <laughs> holding, Jeremy. Seriously, good job, man. I'm happy for oh, you. That's awesome. Thanks. You deserve it. You held yeah, through the crap. Good. Yeah. yeah, I think Coinbase. I, I think Coinbase, by the way, eventually will get back there. They will. I I just been anytime Coinbase dips a little bit, I'll just buy. I'll nibble at it. I'll buy a little certain more. price. Do you have a certain price in mind, Graham? That you're like, oh, this price, I, I need to buy some. Uh, I kind of feel it out. I mean, when it was under like two thirty, I'd buy a little bit more. Above two thirty, not so much. Robinhood is something I'm just keeping an eye on now. I'm I'm really Ooh. interested to see what that does. Yeah, good. Crazy yeah. to see it bounce back so much on the second day there. Yeah. Now it is. It seems like it's starting to to you know normalize a bit, so it might level off somewhere in the forties. We'll see. Maybe not. Mm. Well, I like how Kevin played it though. That was that was smart. I wanted to, but I just like I I think I was trapped. I think I was in Hawaii or what was happening. I don't know. I missed that second day though. And I was like, I know that stock's going to pump, but day one, it's just like people are just going to destroy it. You did a swing on it, on it Kevin, or, or what happened? Yeah, I um, IPO fell from like $38 to 
33.50 something or whatever. So I bought it at 34.21. The thing runs up uh, like three or four days later to $70, something ridiculous. I'm like, this is such a stupid valuation. This is dumb. So I sold calls against the whole position. Uh, and, and now it's like 55 bucks or whatever. So I nice. played that one on both ends. I don't know if that's good about it. Uh, that's like, awesome. no, in hindsight, you look back and you're like, oh, if, if I had gone all in on that, <laughs> you know, but you, you can't do that. <clears throat> Kevin, do you, are you uh, okay with disclosing how much money you've made on it? If not, that, that's fine. I just don't know. If uh, you know, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look. I, I mean, it's, okay. it's hundreds of K. Oh, sorry. I didn't Ooh, mean to hundreds um, of K. Wow. Yeah, but hey, you know, some trades go well, some don't. Uh, I would say <laughs> most of my trades this year have been very positive. The only thing that's really been suffering, the two things that have been suffering for me are Tesla call options and Pinterest call options. Everything else has been printing money. I mean, I, I, I almost made, uh, what it was, I think I almost made $400,000 on Enphase just this year, right? It's just one wow. stupid stock. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, my Tesla call options are, are, are bleeding by a few hundred thousand dollars. So it's all a balance, you know? Yeah, but that's impressive uh, on the hood in, in such a short amount of time. That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then or how much are you getting into uh, selling calls or uh, even selling writing put options? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all over it. Like, okay. I'm trying to get out of options as much as possible. So if Ooh. I can sell them, and by get out of options, I mean get out of my leaps. This is why I don't like your 2024 idea, mm -hmm. just in fairness. Like, is, I, I think our, our IV is just going straight down. And that's not doing anything good for uh, for options pricing. My Tesla call options, just just so you know, like Tesla call options, they were seven hundred. Uh, I bought them when Tesla was seven hundred fifteen dollars. Tesla's like seven hundred fifteen dollars now, and they're down like twenty five percent. It's just because of the IV crush. So, and I think that's going to continue. So, if I could sell here and just sell options, which I have been doing on on my shares, uh, I'll do that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I I had, a, I had a friend over a couple of weekends ago and we were just running through all these stocks that I can't disclose because uh, I promised <laughs> I wouldn't disclose them. But where you can get essentially on, on writing, um, was it? I think we we're talking about selling, selling puts actually. Yeah. Where you can get 10% um, return on investment in less than a month. I mean, we're talking oh, like yeah. two, three weeks on some of these stocks. Okay. Yeah. I'll disclose one of them. Just one of them. That's the only one is Wish Stock. Okay, Wish oh, Stock yeah. was one of them where you can get disgusting returns, and you run that on an annualized basis. It's crazy, yeah. man. It's almost every, uh, every single, almost every single like SPAC or or the more momentum based stocks, mm -hmm. hands down. SoFi, I think TTCF looks pretty good. Almost all of these that have mass price volatility price, uh, you know, built in. Oh yeah, easy. Are these yeah. mostly just penny stocks or? Oh no. No, no, uh, but but I would say under ten billion dollar market cap, Andre. So kind of in that one billion to ten billion dollar, and some of those stocks are even even above that that we were looking at. But most of them that you could get some crazy returns on, the the one billion to kind of ten billion dollar crowd for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, in terms of like like if I buy straight up calls that are dated out two years, let's say like when I September October when I buy calls, I have to be unbelievably confident. That, that stock price is going to move up like it has to be disgustingly confident like I, the valuation has to be way down the growth expected has to be way up like you know all the stars have to align for me to even take a chance on that like right. which stocks uh well so corsair is definitely uh, the one of the ones at the leader of the pack i would say mm -hmm. if that one's under 30 dollars when 2024 calls come out and also obviously i'll have to look at the pricing on it too but that's definitely one i could see because we're talking about a ford ps16 
we're talking about what I would expect big growth, you know? So, hey, the dog makes an appearance. Hi, Rito. Dog. Hey, buddy. That's just too cute. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I think it was little Rito. <laughs> our, views, our views just doubled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we jumped from uh, 7,200 viewers to 14,400. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have more. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Situations like that, you know, um, where the valuation is really hitting down. Um, you know, when, if when falls back to, let's say, 90 or 85, 80, that's one I could be interested in because, uh, I mean, the Rony Ronan thing is not going to last forever. Let's just hope it doesn't, yeah. right? So that's one I'm, I'm potentially interested in. So it has to be the valuation has to be beaten down, and I expect the growth to come. So, okay. yeah, the, you know, a certain, you know, let me give you an example of, of one I wouldn't be interested in would be like uh, Amazon. Even though I'm buying some Amazon stock straight up right now, yeah. not really too interesting calls because it has a 64P on it or whatever, right? So, and then Amazon, you never know. They can all of a sudden be like, oh, we don't care about making money again. We're just going to invest for the future. And then all of a sudden you get a year or two where the, the profitability dips and then people get freaked out. And then all of a sudden the stock doesn't move, right? So that that's one, although I'm buying the stock straight up right now, I wouldn't buy calls on it because it's just, you know, so little game there. But uh, Graham, you need to start yeah. selling call. You need to start selling put options and uh, doing covered calls, man. I think that's perfect for you. I'll do it as, as an experiment for the vlog. I'll, yeah, you know what? Actually, uh, this week I could come over. We'll, we'll do that. We'll vlog it, and I'll, I'll try it on one. That'd be fun. Yeah, make sure you bring your professional options trader with you. We all know who that is. Shout out to Jack, uh, the one of the top option traders in all of Summerlin, Nevada. Experts. Yes, experts. Yes, <laughs> experts. One of the top experts we know. Yeah. And, uh, a year's worth of experience, expert. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. you know, have you ever thought about like now this is kind of, it seems like a year where you're getting more and more into options. I think it'd be cool if you set a goal going in next year. Like I want to make a certain amount of money from just like, let's say selling uh, puts or, or, or covered yeah. calls and stuff like that. It would be intriguing. Yeah, it would be. It just becomes a job. You know, a lot of people, yeah. like, they, they wheel options and that they sit there and it's just like every two weeks, they're rotating options over and over and mm -hmm. over again. And that's cool. Like if you want to do that, uh, but it's just not like, quite frankly, shares are nice. There's, there's mm -hmm. a very nice, uh, you know, pleasant safety with just buy the shares and sit there and have a little diversified portfolio. It doesn't have to be as diverse as index funds, but Pick your favorite forty and, and a few different industries or whatever, and 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 there you go is an option that's pretty diversified. You know, I know sometimes if you want to grow faster, maybe you want to start with like ten or twenty or even five, but uh, it it also creates a lot more stress. So I think it depends on on the person's personality. But I feel like yeah. Kevin, you would make so much money with just selling a few covered calls and like the I don't know in the money like super safe. I don't know. I feel like you make a couple thousand dollars easily a month mm -hmm. doing that yeah and sure. doesn't warren buffett make over five billion dollars selling covered calls with his portfolio yeah he makes like ridiculous amounts of money doing that i don't know anything about that that's i didn't know that i didn't I think he touched that. options no no i think that's how he uses them to enter into positions or, or, or yeah, yeah, okay not, sell puts or covered call okay yeah, yeah. that's not traditionally true but maybe maybe uh, since todd and ted came over maybe they do that more um, oh, kind of his two yeah. helpers his and, and run, yeah that, that are helping run the fund which can make sense it, you know um 
I, I could definitely see that. So sure. especially selling selling puts because then you can you know if the stock goes down a bunch then you 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 know you got to buy it. So the only way yeah. you get really screwed is if the stock goes down so much that it's like man why didn't I just keep the money on the sideline to wait to buy this stock right? right. Um, so let's say I, I was selling uh, puts on Tattoo Chef if Tattoo Chef goes from twenty one to uh, fifteen dollars you know the premium I made uh, what. <clears throat> It wasn't that great, right? I should have just waited on the sideline till it fell to 15 and buy. So that's the way you kind of get messed. But I don't know. I was actually talking with a friend recently and we were talking about like using it as almost like a retirement plan where he, the way he was looking at it is actually a lot less risky of a strategy versus just owning stocks straight up. So no, I'm not going to lie. Uh, options trading is so complicated because when you're like selling puts or selling calls, it's like the, you have to like think of the opposite. It's, just, it's mm -hmm. crazy. I'm still getting used to it because I don't really mess with that stuff. But I did a video on it recently with my friend mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm still trying to like learn it. But it's still like anytime you say it, it's not an automatic translation. I have to like think in my head. I'm like, wait, that means. Oh, right. That means this selling selling puts is, I think, buying a stock. Right. Uh, Unless yeah. it runs away from you. You get yes, you basically yes. get paid to promise to buy it if it falls. Right, 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 right. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, this. I just want to caution, though. There's so many people who who have these. Oh well, I can do this this risky this riskless options strategy over here. I can do this and this is. There's always a risk, no matter what option strategy you go with. And it could be as simple as, hey, you go sell puts on Tattooed Chef, and you promise you'll buy it under twenty dollars. Now you get a big credit. Let's say you get a fifty thousand dollar credit, and you tie up I don't know three hundred grand of collateral or whatever. Now the stock runs to forty dollars never goes down to that level again. Great. You got your credit, but you just missed out on some big tendies, right? In every scenario, there's a way you can get screwed with options. Sure. And with options, you're always up against the clock. Whereas with shares, you just have to time the market once. You get in and you forget about it. <laughs> That's a good point. The nice thing about being the seller, though, the clock is is kind of on your time versus being a buyer. It if wears the clock against you. So, but yeah. but then you're constantly sitting there like, oh man, should I close that contract out and move it over to this other opportunity? Right? It makes yeah. you more of an active investor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, for sure. And you got to do the math, man. The math is, is very very important. Uh, you know, on the on those options trades and trying to figure out well exactly what type of return will I get on this one versus this one? What's the risk level? So, no matter what, it's still a a work. I guess you can say. You know, it's just a different type um, versus. But at know. least people can get two free stocks with Weeble when they use the link <laughs> yeah. down below in the description. Yes, <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. Have you got your free stocks yet, Andre? <laughs> I got all my free stocks. All your free stocks. <laughs> what else do we have to pitch? Uh, clips. We forgot to pitch that in the beginning. We got it. The clips channel is down below in the description. It posts a new video every single day. So actually, twice, twice a day sometimes. So go and add the clips channel down below in the description. And while you're at it, you may as well hit the like button too and subscribe. Why and then Rito will make an appearance. <laughs> Believe it or not, like half the people watching are not subscribed. Too many silvers. <laughs> and it'll want to go Graham's house. Yeah. Uh, I know, man. Yeah, Graham's got the, all the golds and the silvers. Uh, <laughs> One gold. I One gold? One. No, you got two golds. No. Second you channel said uh, almost 800,000. Oh, okay. Nice. Another probably year to go. 
Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you got a, a lot of channels in the pipeline that are going gold too. So we can't forget about um, those. And then and then we needed to get a diamond for Graham too. So then one of us can get a diamond play button, man. Could you imagine that? Somebody that's a finance YouTuber gets a diamond play button. That'd be crazy. Be that would be a monumental one. thing for the whole finance space. Yeah. I could see that take another five years. Oh, another yeah. five years and honestly and another like few viral tesla videos yes <laughs> and by then plaid you may not be the first what i was like by then he may not be the first yeah. i was just kidding yeah, wait, hey yeah just wait till the tiktok kids come on on finance youtube yeah, man like none of us all over yeah it's gonna be them, man. I can see. You're gonna be like, "Oh, we hit a million views every video, man." Right. Lame guys talking about your uh, whatever fundamentals. It's about yeah. the next pump, man. It's all about yellowing into TTCF. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. No, I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh gosh. So, anything, anything all else right. you guys are looking at this week? Thinking about buying? Any moves you're making? VGX, you go, you're loading up the boat on that. You said right, Kevin. And uh, what else? Is there? <laughs> no. no. You know what? I did finally. This is totally off topic, but uh, I've, I think I've told all of you what I. It's not really an investment, kind of. I bought the entire collection of Goosebumps, the original Goosebumps books. No. Goosebumps. I finally. <laughs> After a month of looking online, it came up like two hours ago. I bought it. Okay. It came up a great True price. story. True story. Uh, Graham and I were at sushi, and he's like, Andre, I, I made a really big, it's a cool purchase, but I don't want you to get the same thing. So promise you're not going to tell, you're not going to do the same thing as I am. I'm like, I'm not going to make a promise because we really do think alike and things. I'm like, he's like, no, you got to promise. You got to promise. I'm like, okay, fine. What is it? He's like, I bought a set of Goosebump books. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. Listen. Though it's it's the original Goosebumps books from like I think it was like 1995 to the year 2000. There are 60, I think 62 books. It's wow. really hard to find them in brand new condition. They almost wow. don't exist. So my what I want to do is get these books and frame them on the wall in the hallway. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. It's all about the Animorphs. You guys remember those? Oh, mm. yeah, I remember that. <laughs> This is one of the reasons, by the way, and look, I, I love that you got goosebumps because that's like childhood memories right yeah. here for me. But it's one of the reasons I actually like that we have a smaller house because Lauren yeah. would just go spend all the money on trying to fill up all of these extra hallways and rooms and stuff. No offense to Lauren. She does beautiful work and stuff. But, hey, we only have two rooms for couches, Lauren. Guess we can't buy that other couch. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you got like a – five or six thousand square foot house you know you're going to the the furniture store that much more you know? evan you're playing on level 10 man you're the man <laughs> you're playing on the yeah. top level hey i think we need to downsize our house <laughs> you're a minimalist just a one bedroom that's all you need one bedroom and bunk beds she's gonna be pissed if she sees this <laughs> kevin one last thing i, I want to discuss before we, we end tonight's video you were at the wind mall i saw you post an instagram video saying <laughs> They were out of all the Rolexes, out of all the handbags. What happened in that situation? Yeah, yeah. So, I, look, I, you know, Graham, I was talking to Graham about this, and, and, and apparently it's common for Rolexes to have very few, or the Rolex stores to have very few men's or whatever out to try to create this, like, impression and demand or whatever. But the two people who were there, they were saying at the Rolex store that COVID has really slowed down their ability to sell because it's just things are taking so much longer to come. And it's like, maybe in three months we'll get another shipment, but COVID's bringing us up. So Lauren was over at uh, looking around at the Prada store, and uh, the person who was working there 
who's by the way a subscriber, I think, of all of us, <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, he was saying that uh, they were purposefully pricing uh, this uh, company was purposefully pricing handbags around stimulus check payment amounts that people were getting. So whether it was like sixteen hundred, fourteen hundred, twelve hundred, or even slightly out of reach to get them to spend money on those, and that stimulus people have been the best customers for Prada lately, but because of that combined with COVID supply chain shortages, they're out of like bread and butter stuff. And it's just normal bags that usually have, they don't have. It's everything taking longer to get. It's crazy. I can't decide if that's evil or genius. <laughs> yeah. It's smart. Listen, they, the customer, they're going to spend the money if they're going to spend the money. So you may yeah. as well price things around <laughs> what people want to buy. And listen, nobody's forcing them to go to, to, go to the store, buy a yeah. handbag. They're going out of their way. You have to go out of your way. You have to park. You have to walk. You have a lot of times to think, like, is this the right choice? There are plenty of reasons to back out before walking in the store and making that purchase. And they give you a free vaccine card. Take us away. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, hey, Graham, take us away, uh, man. All right, guys. So with that said, thank you so much for joining us this week. Really means a lot. As always, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, add the clips channel down below in the description. Get all the, the great stuff down below in the description as well. Thank you again for watching. Subscribe. You have to do that really quick. Just hit the subscribe button and we'll see you next week. Peace.